Well, this morning, I just wanted to say uh, a word of encouragement to us about Passover, about uh, Yeshua, our Passover lamb. And uh, of course, I thought, well, today is a good day to simply remember the great truth about the connection of Yeshua to Passover. You know, a lot of times we focus on different things, but it's really very important to us to to, to get this, you know, very, uh, in a way, basic truth, but yet very profound truth. Right. Uh, You know, in the Jirash that I sent out this week, I mentioned that in the Bible, it's very interesting to observe where we read about Passover in the Bible. It's very intentional where we read about Passover. Uh, It's not just, oh, and it happened to be Passover, you know, coincidentally, uh, and a variety of different things happened. We read about it uh, intentionally. Okay. Uh, we read about Passover when um, the uh, Jewish people are ready to embark on the journey from Sinai to the land. It's in Numbers chapter 9. Okay, We read about celebrating Passover. Uh, we read about uh, a Passover uh, during the times of revival in the days of uh, Josiah, Hezekiah, and Ezra. We read about celebrating Passover uh, when the Jewish people enter the land in the days of Joshua. Uh, what all of these, they all have something in common. Uh, every time we read about Passover in the Tanakh, it is, a, it is at a very specific time of covenantal renewal. Times of covenantal renewal. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, the, there's nothing in the Bible that is haphazard. Uh, it's all very intentional, Right? Uh, and so the celebration of Passover uh, is something that serves as a time of covenant renewal. And God gives us uh, the Passover as well as other uh, holidays. But it is very interesting that at Passover, it's always at one of these times uh, of, uh, of refreshment, of, of renewal, and of hope. And Passover is indeed a time of refreshment of renewal, uh, and of of hope. That's why we focus, before we get to Passover, on uh, cleaning out the old leaven so that we might be a new lump that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Because it's always our goal that when we celebrate Passover, that it's not just about the matzo ball soup, although that is uh, a very important part. You know, it makes or breaks the Seder, my friends. Okay. Uh, and you're going to be getting some great matzo balls tonight. I just want you to know that. But uh, uh, clearly, what is most important is that something is happening invisibly. You know, I don't always like to use the word spiritually because actually sharing, coming together and sharing a meal together and talking to each other, that is spiritual. Okay, that, that you know, uh, uh, we don't uh, we don't really have to differentiate between material and spiritual as if to say. Spiritual is only what is invisible. You know what I mean? It's everything is. If you're a person who is a spiritual human being, you, you're walking with God. Everything you do is spiritual. You know, whatever it may be, right? But so I'm going to say, invisibly, visibly, and invisibly, uh, there is something, uh, Lord willing, taking place, and that is as we have fellowship with one another, and we are filled up, you know, so to speak, with food. We are filled up with God. We are filled up and satisfied and and appreciative and full of thanksgiving 
for the great work that God has done uh, in uh, in our midst, in our lives, and in in this uh, in this world, right? Uh, and so uh, my prayer is that whether you had your seder last night, you're coming tonight, you're going to be doing something else, or whatever it may be, that it is a, a spiritual time of refreshment. Now you know in the New Covenant scriptures, also very interestingly. We read about Passover in all four Gospels. Not only uh, the Last Supper, not only uh, the time of Yeshua's death, but other times uh, as well. Uh, we read, uh, and, and by the way, we read about it uh, in the Gospel of John in some very interesting places, right? For example, uh, we read that it was at Passover when Yeshua cleanses the temple, you know, when he cleans out the uh, money changers there, right? Uh, when he raises Lazarus from the dead. And of course, beginning in chapter 13, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, and chapter 17, all take place at a Passover Seder. All that teaching takes place at Passover. And then that, then that is followed by all the events of the, uh, you, you know, of what happens to Yeshua of his arrest and, uh, and then crucifixion. It's all at Passover. You could say that like just about half of the Gospel of John takes place at Passover in, in the last uh, week of Yeshua's life. I guess it's important, right? Uh, and, and so just like in the Tanakh, Passover shows up at places in the New Covenant Scriptures that demonstrate revival, restoration, covenant renewal, and we could also say the, the inauguration of the new covenant. Okay? And by the way, there's even other places. You know, in the Gospel of Luke, when is it that um, Yeshua, you know, uh, uh, he, his, his uh, parents bring him to Jerusalem at a particular, it's a very interesting exchange about parents and children. But anyway, uh, of Yeshua uh, going to Jerusalem, uh, and you know, you know, you know, he's a, he's a boy, uh, but he ends up uh, teaching uh, the teaching with authority as a child. Right? Uh, it's at Passover. It's not. It's not just like a footnote. Oh, hey, how cool that is! It's interesting. It happens to be Passover. No that it's happening at Passover to, to signify for us that this is all about covenant renewal uh, 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 and restoration, right? You could say that the entire coming of Yeshua is a Passover event. But, you know, his entire life is, in a sense, a Passover event. But clearly, uh, you know, his uh, sufferings, death, burial, resurrection, uh, uh, are all related to the Passover. Not only that, but we could say, when you look at the, this holiday, when you look at this holiday, um, uh, Passover, first fruits, and Shavuot are all, they're connected. They're connected. In a way, they're one big event, uh, being with an emphasis at the beginning and an emphasis uh, at the end. Okay? Uh, and uh, because when you think about when is Shavuot, 
Well, the only way we know when Shavuot is, is by counting from Passover. Now, we know the date because Passover is always on the same date, you know. But we know it from the scriptures because it's 50 days later, right? Uh, and so the, the days are, are connected, just as what we call the finished work of Messiah, right? Uh, his death is related to his resurrection, and his resurrection is related to his ascension, and his ascension is related to pouring out of the Holy Spirit, or the, the Ruach HaKodesh. Uh, uh, sometimes that, that's all referred to as the finished work of Messiah, Okay. Uh, that is what his first coming is all uh, about. Uh, and, and so, uh, very interestingly, uh, we read these passages, and so Passover does indeed uh, remind us of this time of revival. Passover, it seems to be an important marker uh, in the Bible. In fact, there's lots of passages, as I said earlier, that tell us, don't for, you know, don't forget what I did for you when I brought you out of Egypt. Don't forget what I did for you when I brought you out of Egypt, out of Egypt, out of Egypt, out of Egypt, out of Egypt. We read it a lot of times, uh, you know, in, in the scriptures. Uh, for example, one of them is uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Okay, this is just one example, one, one, of, one of many. Okay, uh, where if you go back to, if you start in verse 32. Indeed, ask now concerning the former days, which were before you since the day God created man on the earth, and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything been done like this great thing, or has anything been heard like it? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of a fire, as you have heard and survived? Or has a God tried to go to take for himself a nation from within another nation, by trials, by signs and wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by an outstretched arm, there's the Zroah, remember from last week, right? And by great terrors, as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He reminds them, uh, you know, uh, of, uh, of the redemption, of, of the redemption uh, out, of, uh, out of Egypt, okay? Uh, and uh, let's see, uh, yes. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, it's really also, since we're in the neighborhood, it's really very interesting that, now, now remember when this is taking place, that uh, this, is, uh, this is on the plains of Moab. This is uh, Moses' last speeches before the people are going in the land. That's what almost all of Deuteronomy is, okay? A series of speeches by, by Moses uh, uh, as the people are going to go into the land. And if you remember in Exodus chapter 20, which occurred then decades earlier, right? Uh, when Moses first tells the people the Ten Commandments and he tells them about Shabbat, he tells them to observe Shabbat because God rested on the seventh day after the creation, right? But now, many years later, now that, now that they have the wilderness wanderings under their belt, so to speak, he gives them, in, in, in reciting the Ten Commandments, he gives them another reason to observe Shabbat. Uh, and it says in verse 15 of Deuteronomy 5, And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe 
uh, to observe the uh, to observe the Sabbath day. Uh, you know, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, in uh, in Leviticus chapter 19, we all know uh, the most. What is the most famous verse in Leviticus 19? Can anybody just shout it out? Just shout it out. Okay, 18. The word is the most famous verse is not a number. It is you shall what? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I, I had the uh, pleasure of uh, speaking at a, uh, 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 at a local church um, uh, earlier this week uh, and speaking to a group of people. Uh, and I mentioned this. Uh, and I just joking. These, these were these were people that had their act together. They 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 were really good because they already knew this. And I said, you know, you know where Yeshua got it from, right? In other words, uh, when Yeshua says, uh, "Love your neighbor as yourself," that was not brand new revelation, right? That came from here, right? Uh, what? What in Leviticus? Love your neighbor as yourself. I thought it was just talking about hins of wine uh, and, uh, and omers of barley and uh, bulls and ram offerings or something, right? No, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and then very interestingly, you know, uh, Yeshua tells a story about the Good Samaritan, right? The Good Samaritan. Because uh, the question is asked, who is my neighbor, right? What we may not realize is that actually in, in this chapter in Leviticus, Yeshua uh, uh, answers this, right? Uh, he was there at the beginning. So uh, in, in, in Leviticus uh, chapter 19, in verse 34, look what it says. The stranger who resides with you shall be with you as the native among you, and you shall love uh, him as yourself. For you are aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so remember Egypt, remember that you were strangers in a strange land and I redeemed you uh, there. So therefore, love whoever comes into your midst, right? Now, the thing about the, I have to say this because I'll be thinking about it all day. The parable of the Good Samaritan, the real knee slapper there, the real aha there is not that everybody is my neighbor, no, but that the Samaritan person is the one who's living this out. And the Israelites, who the priest and others who, were, who passed by, were not doing it. And it was, in other words, it wasn't, it wasn't that, oh, so be, be good to the Samaritans. Well, look, the Samaritan is being good to the Israelites. And that, that was a, whoa, I guess it's really true what, you know, what it says there. Uh, back in Leviticus. But my point there, of course, is that remember that you were uh, a slave in, in Egypt. Uh, and then, you know, at the very end of Leviticus chapter 25, the end of Leviticus chapter 25, okay, this is about, uh, uh, you know, uh, people that uh, uh, become, uh, that own money and uh, become uh, enslaved and, and when they're released and how you treat people and so on. That's the, uh, it's what he's saying. So, uh, uh, and so it's about when a person can be released. Okay. So in verse 54, it says, even if he is not redeemed by these different means, which a lot of the chapters about different ways that people can be redeemed, he shall still go out in the year of Jubilee, he and his sons with him. Why? 
Well, the very last verse. For the sons of Israel are my... And, and you know, the best translation given this uh, context is slaves and not servants, right? For the sons of Israel are my slaves. They are my slaves whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. They were slaves in Egypt. We don't usually refer to the Israelites as servants in Egypt, okay? Uh, they were slaves in the land of Egypt. And so he said, so now he's saying, they're my slaves, not Pharaoh's, but, but mine, right? But he wants them, to, you treat people well because remember where you come from. Remember, remember Egypt. So for a variety of different reasons, I, uh, throughout the Torah and throughout all of the scriptures, uh, we're called to remember, uh, remember Egypt. Uh, if I went through all of them, we'd be here all day. The prophets talk about it all the time. Remember, you know, I haven't forsaken you. The prophets basically in the context of saying, I haven't forsaken you, even though you're being judged, chastised. I haven't forsaken you. Remember what happened in Egypt. Remember that I redeemed you uh, from Egypt. And of course, uh, as I um, mentioned uh, when the Torah was out in, you know, in Micah chapter 7, uh, you have this great, uh, you have this a great word in verse 15. As in the days when you came out from the land of Egypt, I will show you miracles. Isn't that great? He's saying, I'm still the same God as I was uh, in, in Egypt. Right. Uh, and uh, and so don't forget, uh, don't forget Egypt. We would say the very same thing, not instead of, but in addition, don't forget what Yeshua did. Don't forget the great miracle uh, that happened uh, of his life, his suffering, his death and his resurrection and ascension and the pouring out of the Ruach HaKodesh. Focus on that. Remember that because the effects of that are still true. It's not just history, right? It's not just, oh, you know, Bible truths or something like that. But those great truths should affect our lives just as remembering Passover is, uh, you know, is supposed to affect our lives in the, in the way that the prophets, the way that Moses and the prophets talked about Passover, right? Uh, uh, and so very, very important. So in the Brit Hadashah, there's, uh, there's a couple of interesting uh, passages that uh, I, I want to just mention, okay, quickly. In uh, the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, Yohanan, or John, the immerser, John the Baptist, says something really very interesting when he encounters Yeshua, okay? We see here in, uh, this is a famous verse. Many of you know this verse. Uh, John 1.29. The next day he saw Yeshua coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Then a few verses later he sees him again, right? And he says, and he looked upon Yeshua as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. So that's a very interesting designation. Behold, the Lamb of God. It's kind of, in the first century, at that time, it's kind of a strange thing to say. Behold, you're the Lamb of God. Okay? I, I, as far as we know, it was not like some kind of uh, main uh, type of a word that we read about, like a thread all the way through the text of the Tanakh. 
about uh, the Messiah will be a lamb of God. The Messiah will be called the lamb of God. Yeah, there's a verse here, uh, you know, and there, but it's kind of an interesting uh, designation. And then also, you know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, there's a, uh, a, a very interesting little thing that Peter says here. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verses 18 and 19, he says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Messiah. Clearly, uh, you know, by using this uh, a terminology, of course, John writing before the death and resurrection of Yeshua and Peter writing after uh, afterwards, uh, clearly uh, this is the Passover lamb. Uh, and, and although, by the way, it is uh, an interesting thing about lambs. You know, when you think about like the sin offering, you know, bulls and goats, right? The trespass offering, same, same thing. But... Uh, in Exodus chapter 29, it talks about the burnt offering there, burnt offering. And it says, you shall sacrifice a lamb every morning and sacrifice a lamb every evening. And so lambs were prevalent uh, in as like the, the basic offering that gave entree to the holy place. Uh, not, the, you know, the, the sin offering and, and the guilt offering were were done at specific times for, for very specific reasons. But the, the, the burnt offering was kind of like the, the way in, you, you know? Uh, and so lamb offerings were prevalent, uh, but uh, uh, clearly here uh, we're talking about the, the Passover uh, lamb. We're redeemed by the blood of the lamb. He came to take away the sins of the world. Uh, sometimes theologians use the term substitutionary atonement, right? That Yeshua died so we could live. That Passover lamb died uh, so uh, we could, so the firstborn could live. When people did brought those lambs for that burnt offering, the lamb died so the person had entree to the presence of God. Uh, and certainly we see all of that uh, in the death of the uh, in the death of the Messiah, okay. Uh, in in doing this, we're forgiven uh, and we're cleansed. Remember that when Yeshua at that seder, at that last seder, when he took the cup of redemption, he said, "This is the new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. This is the new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins." And we know that when he took the matzah uh, and he broke it and gave it to, uh, to the disciples, he said, this is my body, which is given for you, right? Do this in remembrance of me. In fact, there he says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And when he says, as often as you do this, he's not saying every time you have communion, do this. Uh, here's a bulletin that, you know, the institution of the Lord's Supper slash communion slash Messiah's table never existed before, okay? 
Uh, it wasn't until a long time after that there was like an institutionalized thing that you do. But this was at the Seder. And so he's basically saying, whenever you celebrate Passover, remember me. And that's what we're going to do. That's, that's what we do. That's why our Haggadah is written the way it is. That weaved into the Haggadah is, you know, passages about Yeshua. It's not like stacked on top, you know, or, and oh, by the way, that it, it is integrated, uh, you know, into uh, what, we, what we do. Uh, and it is certainly not a coincidence that Passover, a holiday celebrated at covenantal moments, uh, uh, is remembered in all four gospel accounts of the coming uh, of the Messiah and where Yeshua identifies himself as the Lamb of a God. Okay? You know, in Exodus uh, 24, when the covenant of Moses was ratified with sacrifices, you don't have to turn there, you don't have time. Uh, they did, they, they, uh, offered animal sacrifices. And Moses, and we read about how they sprinkled the blood and so on and so forth when the Moses covenant was ratified. That's in Exodus 24. That's where it's ratified. The people actually accept it and an off, and offerings are done. It's in Exodus 24. Okay. Well, we read about the new covenant. You know, remember Yeshua said, you know, this is the new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. And remember, that is the cup of redemption in, in the Seder. Isn't it amazing? Uh, that in uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter uh, 31, that's what we read about this uh, new uh, this new covenant. We read uh, uh, there uh, in verse 30, just 33 and 34. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my Torah within them and on their heart. I will write it. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That is what Yeshua is referring to. But the good news is, is that, is that just as John said, behold, the lamb who comes to take away the sins of the world, not only Israel, but of the world, right? And remember that when the, you know, when the Ruach was poured out, uh, it was poured out. Yes, he was poured out in, is, you know, in Israel. But the point is, is that in the death and resurrection uh, uh, and finished work of Messiah, it's for the whole world. Why is the world the way it is? Because the world rejects. Because the world won't embrace the Lamb of God. But you see, the good news is, is that there is an alternative way of life from the muck and mire uh, and pessimism uh, and depression of this world. And that is indeed life in Messiah. Uh, and that is what it means to be redeemed from the bondage. And you know, in the Jewish, the Jewish world believes that there's going to be, from the point of view of the traditional Jewish world, from the point of view of the traditional Jewish way of thinking, there's going to be another exodus. There's going to be another redemption, a final redemption. When the Messiah comes, what happens when the Messiah comes? When the Messiah comes, the wolf lays down with the lamb. 
uh, you know, all the nations are going to know the God of Israel. There'll be peace and tranquility and that the world will function the way that God had originally intended in creation when sin no longer has any effect. That in the Jewish world is called the second redemption, right? But the great news is that Messiah came to inaugurate that redemption. And we can participate in that redemption now. Now, not complete, completely because we, we groan. Yes, even we ourselves groan who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Yep. Paul says, yep, even us waiting for the redemption of our body, waiting till it's all done, right? I, but know that in Messiah Yeshua, we can engage in that redemption. And by the way, in talking about the lamb, let me just finish. Uh, uh, oh, I was gonna, I was gonna say, you know, in this, in what that will look like at the end, it's very interesting, you know, in the prophet Hosea, the prophet Hosea, uh, uh, says this. They're just some, some of the most beautiful verses. He says, I will heal their apostasy and I will love them freely. This is what that second redemption ultimately is. And I, that first, I will heal their apostasy. You gotta, you gotta like meditate on that, you know? I won't just heal their broken arm. You know what I'm saying? I will heal their heart. I will heal their, uh, their brokenness. Okay? I will love them freely, freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily, and he will take root in the cedars of Lebanon. His shoots will sprout, and his beauty will be like the olive tree, and his fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. All I can think about is lamb. Right there. That's, that's Joel Chernoff. That's what I'm talking about. Anyway, I, uh, those who live in his shadow will again raise grain, and they will blossom like the vine. His renown will be like the, the wine of Lebanon. And that applies. Here he's talking about Israel, but it applies to the whole world. What rich words, you know? But I just wanted to say also that, you know where we read about Passover? Not the word Passover. Not if you Google, or if you look at a concordance of Passover. But where you read about that lamb the most is in the book of Revelation. Is in the book of Revelation. Do you know that the, the Lamb of God is mentioned? It's the second most populated book of the Bible about the Lamb. The first one is Leviticus, but after that is the book of Revelation. And that's really very interesting. I, I, you know, I used to get, uh, I won't mention the name of the organization. They're, they're good group of people, but anyway, there's a group, they may still have it. They have a, 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 it's a, it's a Jewish uh, outreach organization. And, uh, and they have a magazine. And oftentimes in the back cover of the magazine, they would have like a, a this a drawing of a lamb. You know, like, like Mary had a little lamb almost like that kind of thing, right? Right? But what we read in the book of Revelation is the lamb, the lamb is powerful. The lamb is victorious. Yeshua doesn't stop being the lamb of God, Right? Uh, when we think about, oh, he was a lamb led to the slaughter, that's not in weakness. It's in power, okay? Yeshua, the Passover lamb, is powerful. And so, for example, uh, just a couple of verses in chapter 5, and we'll be reading them uh, indeed uh, tonight, actually. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. You know this. 
to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. There, that is worthy is the lamb that was slain. Okay? Uh, not despite the fact that he was slain. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. And then, you know, in ch- chapter 7, in verse uh, 17, for the lamb is in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd and shall guide them to springs of the water of life. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's all about the lamb. You know, in chapter uh, 14, uh, in verse 1, we read uh, that the, the lamb is leading the 144,000. Uh, and I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name uh, and the name of his father written on their foreheads. Again, uh, the Lamb. The Lamb is all over the place, uh, you know, uh, in the book of Revelation. Uh, in uh, chapter uh, 17, in verse 14, uh, we read... Uh, they, uh, these will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because He is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called uh, chosen and faithful. Then, of course, in the 19th chapter, we read about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then at the very end uh, of Revelation, in, in 22.3, and there shall no longer be any curse for the throne of the God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his bondservants shall serve him. I, and, and then the passage goes on. I, and so the Lamb is victorious, the Passover, uh, Passover Lamb, right? And so may we be able to give praise and thanksgiving uh, on this holiday. May, may our thoughts, uh, may our minds be focused on the reality of the Passover lamb uh, in our lives. That is Yeshua, the Messiah. We read in Psalm 106, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Who can speak of the mighty deeds of the Lord or, or can show forth all His praise? How blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness all the time. Remember me, O Lord, in thy favor toward thy people. Visit me with thy salvation. Uh, and the, re- all, the rest of the next 50, 60, ver- no, about 35, 40 verses, uh, will talk about the great things God has done uh, and the fact then that we, we, we didn't believe him and we rejected him, but nevertheless, he saves us anyway. Isn't that a great truth? Uh, and so then we read at the very end, uh, you know, it says uh, in verses 44 to 48 of Psalm 106, Nevertheless, when he heard their cry and he remembered his covenant for their sake and relented according to the greatness of his loving kindness, and he also made them objects of compassion in the presence of all their captors. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from all the nations to give thanks to thy holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Messiah Yeshua, indeed, is our Passover sacrificed for us. Let's
Lord, a uh, uh, God, may we never forget this great truth, God. And I pray uh, that we would not be so uh, concerned about um, celebration uh, that, that we would miss the point, uh, Lord. And may we, may we rejoice in the Lamb of God. Thank you that you have loved us so much that you sent Messiah Yeshua into this world to be our Lamb, our sacrifice Lamb. Uh, Lord, we thank you, God. And I pray that for each of us, the, lamb, the blood of the Lamb is on our heart. And Lord, thank you that you don't look to see what we look like, how good we are, or what we do, but you look for the blood of the Lamb upon us. May that great truth be real in our lives. We pray in Messiah's name.